Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 29 of the Pictures Out There podcast series with Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman. Today we're going to have a fun episode that we call a chit chat with Lee and Dave. Dave and Lee want to model the kind of conversations we believe should be regular, comfortable, enjoyable, everyday exchanges among people who care deeply about the world's future. Let's explore. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thank you, Candy, for that very kind introduction. Welcome, everybody, to the Pictures Out There podcast series. I'm Dave. And I'm Lee. And this week, we're going to have a general chit-chat that we will call a chit-chat with Lee and Dave. Really creative titling. Yeah, how many times can we say chit-chat? <laughs> so besides hopefully entertaining our present day and our future audience, we want to do a little modeling of the kind of conversations that Lee and I believe should be regular, comfortable, everyday kind of conversations that people have going forward among people who care deeply about the world's future. So we're going to jump all over the place in this conversation. If you're looking for any kind of pattern Continuity, to the topics, cohesion, give forget about it. <laughs> I just give it up to demonstrate all the wonderful things that we can talk about in topics that springboard from the pictures out there model. Great. Thank you, Dave. So I think this is interesting to have what might typically be characterized as serious and deep conversations, Ooh. integrate those into our daily discussions. So, these kinds of conversations, as I stated, sometimes get dismissed as, oh, that's too serious, oh, that's too deep. Why would we take the time today golly. to get into that? Right. Yeah. But we think we should all be cool with visiting about these types of questions and thoughts in the midst of anything else we may be doing or talking about. We think deep conversations should be as natural as anything else we might chat about. Hey, yep. did you see the game last yeah. night? How's the weather yeah. forecast for the yeah. weekend? Why not talk about world pressing problems in the same yeah. way? There you go. So we encourage you to sit back, relax, and most importantly, think along with us. So after we brought up the first four or five topics, we think you guys will be in the pattern of this, that there is no pattern. There is no pattern. So this is not all going to be about aliens. Okay. <laughs> but the first thing we're going to talk about is what would or will be aliens point of view of us once we have direct encounters, assuming that happens in the future. What would those conversations with aliens be like? Or what would their first impressions be? Lots of times we'll see somebody on the street, we all ha create first impressions. Mm -hmm. So if these guys are flying up in their spaceships right. to Earth, yes. you know, what's the first impression they have of Earth? Lee, I would say, you know, that they would go, wow. Six bucks for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> they would have an issue with that. But they would go, what a beautiful place. Yes. You know, oh. Yeah. They would look at the diversity of, of nature and all of these species that are here. My gosh. Uh, oh, what are these little anthills here? What's the species that's in these little anthills that right. are around Earth? Yeah. So biodiversity in the natural world, but I also like to think about diversity in the human race, right? Yeah. Oh, there seem to be people here of all colors, shapes, and sizes. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Because we're just tall, thin, and green. That's yeah. all we got on our planet. Exactly. And we think that they would go, you know, this is an amazing place that you guys are in. Has it always been like this? And in some cases, we would go, well, 
well, it's actually kind of been nicer, nicer than kind of it is right now. We're having some issues, and it's like, well, are you guys the caretakers? The, the you know, you creatures that live in these little anthills that you call cities, or mm-hmm. are you the caretakers? Are you the gardeners of this place? Right. Well, yeah, we're kind of supposed to be in some of our thinking, but. Um, Gee, right now we're losing 10,000 times the normal rate of species per year. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and we've also had in the last 50 years a 68% average decline in species populations. Yeah. What? Right. Gee, right. You're, you're gardening. If we walked up to somebody and looked at their garden and, and they kind of said, well, yeah, it looks okay, but uh, it looked a lot better before. <laughs> we right. Might, we might question their gardening ability. Yeah, absolutely. So. No, that's a good uh, equivalency. <laughs> so my hope is that if an alien race were to approach us peaceably, that our response would be peaceable. Hopefully. hopefully yeah. But... Well, must admit, must a concern here, which is, uh, oh, get out the biggest guns we got and train them on the alien spacecraft. The they, fear just kicks right it's, in. It's doesn't it? instant fear. Yeah, 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 and not the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to something else. What about this thought? Forgiveness isn't a conclusion. Hmm. Forgiveness is actually the open door to keep learning and growing. To not forgive means that we are sitting there. We're going to create a visual for you here. We're sitting there staring backward backwards at the past mm-hmm. while there is an unopened door right in front of us or behind us. Mm-hmm. And uh, forgiving is, a, is an interesting thing. I think sometimes when we haven't yet forgiven, the notion of forgiving feels like we're losing or that we're giving up, yeah. or people don't understand yet what, mm-hmm. what happened to me. Yes really all that happens with not forgiving is just that you're sitting there staring at the past. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent way to state it. So let's reaffirm the statement here. Forgiveness is not a conclusion. So if it's not a conclusion, what is it? Is it a process? I think we would argue yes. Yeah. It can be ongoing. Yeah. You don't grant another forgiveness and then you're done. Right. I think emotionally that process continues. It's right? an interesting thing where it uh, becomes a habit. You know, mm-hmm. the more you forgive, it becomes easier. Yeah. Because I think part of what happens is that as you forgive, you then see the goodness. You feel the liberation from having forgiven a situation, and you and you walk through those open doors. And mm-hmm. so the next inevitable situation that comes up where you feel like somebody done me wrong yeah. or something's happened. Forgiveness it, is warranted. It just becomes easier Yes, to say, look, how do I work through this because I'm holding myself back? until I get past this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people who've been victims of horrible things, when they kind of forgive the individual or individuals involved mm-hmm. for those, the commission of those horrible things, what do you always hear those people say? Oh, I feel free now. Yeah. I've been carrying this grief, this burden, this sorrow with me all along, my reluctance or refusal to forgive, and once granted, ah, oh. But I think we would argue that that's just the first step. It's going to be ongoing, just like love is ongoing. Does does love have an end point? No. (laughs) And in the context of pictures and the ability to imagine the future, holding yourself back from forgiving absolutely hampers that because your energy and your mind is just working on, again, the past and not the future. Yes. Okay. So increasingly, I kind of view life as a series of stages. I have always, I guess, to some degree, but that has become more and more how I tend to think of things. And it's not that there's not continuity 
across my life or anybody's life that there are certain things that carry forward all the time. But I seem to think more of planfully, you know, what is the stage I'm in? Mm -hmm. What is the stage I'm leaving? What things do I keep with me and Mm -hmm. all of that? And that really seems like a gift to me to be able to think of life and stages. And for me, it does help me close doors from the past. And again, that's not closing doors on people or relationships, but it's closing doors on situations that I may have been in. Particular experiences. And just said, that's over. Yeah. That's over. And gee, what's this new thing? And Mm -hmm. it's it's reinforced to me the importance of, of dealing with your fears and not having those, you know, the fear of doing something new or what have you, and just the joy of lifelong learning. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of that. So um, uh, there's, a again, the Helen Keller quote that I think we've used before in this, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. And we just talked about forgiveness. Yeah, boy, that's profound. And I think that the doors thing, the visual of that has really helped me think through life stages. Yes. Yeah. So let me state that when I close the door, I always have the belief that I can go reopen if, if I need yes. to. Right. Right. So I don't think we're suggesting that, well, I'm just going to close that experience that I had off for myself forever. Yeah. There may be some value in doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I got what I got out of that. Let's move forward. But occasionally I will find myself in going back and reopening a door to understand what did I learn from that experience? What were the goods about it? What were things that I might do carry differently forward? Absolutely. And even the joy that you can have of friendships mm-hmm. that may be where you've lost touch with people. You both went into different stages. Yes. You reconnect years or even decades later. What a joy. Yeah, it what absolutely. What a joy that is right. to reconnect. And the touchstone that happens with that's wonderful. And so, you know, we talked about forgiveness, allowing you to look toward the future. Forgiveness really helps you close past stages yes. in a way and begin new ones. And, uh, and we've talked before about the importance of penance as part of that, which again is a mm-hmm. forgiveness piece mm-hmm. that lots of times is part of forgiving yourself yes. for any part you may have played in something. Yes, c- correct. Okay. So you want to go to the next topic? Yeah, this one's this one's different. <laughs> if we believe in a powerful God, or gods, plural, and we believe we've been given free will, would that mean that an all-powerful leader, or if you will, an all-powerful God, has shared their power with us? Wouldn't that then be our model for what we should do when we are labeled as leaders? Would we then share our power? So let's unpack that a bit. If there's an all-important leader being that is sharing their power with us, is that not a model for us to follow, for us to share our power with others? It's kind of interesting where we go with free will and the question of that, and we have free will. It's kind of a, sometimes you have the feeling that there's a a but at the end of it. We have free will, except but but they're watching you Mm -hmm. and they're judging you and da-da-da, and it's kind of like, I I haven't had a superior being yet directly interject <laughs> themselves yes. into me. Um, I have conversations with the cosmos and the universe, and for some people that means God, and mm-hmm. I certainly get direction and guidance mm-hmm. from those experiences that I have. I haven't had somebody grab me right. and just say, you can't. Yes, you know, and so um, that's an interesting thing to me. It's it's the model uh, we you and I had done the 
the uh, podcast on sharing power mm-hmm. and how leaders should share their leadership. Mm-hmm. And that that's really the simple picture yes. for, for what life should be in any kind of system or group. Yep. And it was only later on that, that we talked about free will and kind of going, whoa, that's in that kind of, again, a supreme being saying, yeah, that is the thing to do. I, I ought to share rather than being directive or grab you and take you by the hand and make you do things. I'm going to give you the choice. You have power in your life. Yes. I think sometimes we forget the second half of the equation around free will. What comes with any type of freedom? Responsibility. Yes. To use the freedom wisely and well. Right. So we would posit, how do you share your power? That's using your power wisely and well. Give it away as much as you can. And when we've talked about sharing power and uh, sharing leadership, we've always said there is the accountability, the responsibility to train to mentor, Mm -hmm. educate, to educate, to do that, to where you're not just going, okay, come here. You're responsible for this. Now it's to set them up to be successful at that. So that they can exert that power in a responsible and good way, and then set them up to model doing that for other people Mm -hmm. later on in, in the situation. And the hope would be that it gets paid forward again and again and again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, while we're on this God thing, <laughs> if there is a God, do they need to be perfect? Would perfect actually be perfect? Would God being perfect mean that God never changes or grows? Hmm. If hmm. God grows or changes, does that mean that they were imperfect before? Oh. Can God be growing and learning just like we are? Would God have to be, so if, if they've made mistakes, is that a sin? Would God have to be without sin? Why? Does this even matter? Does it even matter? <laughs> Perhaps is the first question to ask, right? Yeah. Does this matter? So I, I'm absolutely captivated by this idea here. So my, my personal belief is that, yes, whatever supreme being or consciousness or whatever label you'd like to put on it, if one exists... I would hope that it's evolving, growing, learning, making mistakes. Yeah. Or if you'd like to characterize those as sins, yeah. okay. Yeah. Making mistakes so that they may learn to carry forward. Yeah. Rather than some static, uh, I've existed in this fashion since eternity, uh, that I don't, I don't wrap my mind around. Yeah, yeah. And it does seem to me that in a lot of the religious texts that people will have, you seem to clearly have a picture of a God who is evolving, mm-hmm. a God who is is one way in one situation, and then later on in the text of that religion or whatever, they're quite a bit different, right? You know, and to me that's reassuring. Mm-hmm. It, it, of just and it fits with what we see in the world where everything's evolving. Everything's changing. It fits with the notion of lifelong learning. It does. That you and I have talked about, where you and I have said, you know, gee, in our lives, we're just going to run out of time. We're going to have something that we want to still be learning, you know, with our last breath. Mm -hmm. And all of that seems to fit really well. And so the notion of perfection, I don't know what that really even means. No. And so it's, there certainly is living ideals. Mm-hmm. And I would think if there is a supreme being or a supreme force in the world, I think that force has ideals. I believe actually it's the same ideals that we have 
of love mm-hmm. and helping others. Mm-hmm. I think I can't imagine that a supreme being doesn't have those same ideals. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. and so the the notion of if I if I am learning something, well, clearly I have done something in the past that I would not repeat. Yes. Does that mean I'm imperfect or sinful? It's like I don't. Why, why would you even bother? Don't give it the mental energy. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not fruitful. I don't think. Yeah. So Lee and I, uh, we, we have a segment that I think we're going to be doing in the future that is called things you wouldn't believe how in the world. And that's a cleaned up. (laughs) And so, uh, there are things that, that are kind of head shakers that you come across, where and we've talked about some of those in, in the Math of Kindness podcasts we've done, things like that where a new opportunity will come up for humanity. And it's things like smartphones or computers and things like that where you would go, gee, if you just step back from that, wouldn't you just kind of do that for everybody? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, things you wouldn't believe how in the world. No, we won't do that. We're going to make this some kind of competitive or scarce resource, scarce resource kind of thing. And we're going to create incredible expense for the entire human race in making that happen. Where if we just said, no, ah, this is kind of the next thing. Let's Everybody just... gets one. Yeah. <laughs> and I we... think we're adopting the Oprah value system here. Uh, you get a smartphone <laughs> and you get a smartphone. Everybody on earth gets a smartphone. Yeah. yeah. But actually, well, that's a joke. But the, the seriousness of it is, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we do that? Rather than set up a system that's always going to be competitive with resource constraints. And here we are yet again. Now, with the AI, mm-hmm. as Lee and I call it, advanced, advanced intelligence, intelligence, not artificial intelligence, we have this era that's in front of us that those of you in the future is dominating mm-hmm. our conversation. The articles are increasing every day about AI, both the opportunities and the fears right. with it. Right. And again, it's going to be one of those where you can see that instead of going, why wouldn't we get together and think through all of the opportunities with this, figure them out together, make the dispensation of those, the distribution of those equitable mm-hmm. so that everybody has that. And we're on a path to yet again, not do that yeah, because with something that's an advancement. Because nothing's planful. It's all react to that, react yeah. to that, react to that. And there's the opportunity for a power grab or for a greed grab. Mm-hmm. And we're not having you know the best ideals in place here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the most recent example: advanced intelligence. Yeah, history is so, littered with similar examples. So there continue to be things that you just wouldn't believe mm-hmm. <laughs> that we do that. Okay, uh, a general question here, Lee: Should we just continue to question everything? Should we continue to question everything? I'll just say, no, let's just accept everything as it is and move on. <laughs> it's a lot less work to just accept it and move on, right? A lot less mental energy. Well, of course, I think we should continue to question everything. And beginning with ourselves, I try, and I'm not always successful, I try in a situation to question my own beliefs and attitudes about a situation first before I question someone else's motivation or question the why is it this way? I always begin with my own thoughts or attitude or belief about it. I try to do that. Have you ever had something where you had gone through the thought process and you had just absolutely affirmed, you know, this is what I believe. This is what I think. Yeah. You came to certainty. There's nothing left to question. And maybe 10 or 20 years later you go, 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've had that. Have you ever had oh, that yeah, happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. Many times. And, and so there uh, doesn't seem to be a, a stopping place for that. And it's... Uh, yeah, probably the the piece as I'm as we're talking about this that I would go if there's something that's not the case, it really is at that ideal level, and so sometimes mm-hmm. the the things that I will re-question that I had certainty about are things where I went oh the expression of actually love or helping others or or you know what is the expression of my unique self oh this is different now yes I thought it was that but it's different but the ideal itself. Yeah, hasn't it's, changed. It's constant. Yeah. It's constant. So we would think ideals and values should say pretty constant. There may be a little elasticity yeah. there, but not significantly, right? Well, it's like that notion of love, and we've talked about the expression of love sometimes involves difficult things. Yes. And so that would be something where it's like, well, no, you still have the ideal of love, but you're learning new things and questioning new things about what does it really mean to love or That's to right. help people that's right but the ideal itself is the same is the same which is the power that we see from pictures and ideals take the time to articulate your ideals and then you'll have those with you the whole time so i think we get frustrated by continuous questioning of things and let me give an example of that so i'm a social scientist emphasis on the scientist for what i'm about to say here in physical science and social science behavioral science whatever the field might be Research and understanding is ongoing, right? Mm -hmm. And people who are not directly, immediately involved in it on the outside look into that and go, wait a minute, you just told me last year that the attitude should be X. The answer to this situation is Y. And now you're telling me you've conducted further research and inquiry and it's different? I understand how that's frustrating for people. Right. Wait a minute, you told me not to eat XYZ foods because it would give me high cholesterol. And now five years later, everybody's going, no, eat all that you want. Well, yeah, and and behind that is the, I wanted the answer forever. Yeah, I I needed it to stay where it was. I don't want to keep re-asking this question, which is really, I don't want to keep learning. I don't want to keep learning. Yeah. Or growing. Yeah. But I do understand how people get tired of the constant questioning. Yeah. It does. It can have the effect of wearing you out. It can be frustrating. It's fun to see issues we've done pictures of move along, albeit sometimes slowly. One striking part of the podcast conversation is Sam Altman. He's the CEO of OpenAI. His acknowledgement of AI's downsides and his belief that no company, including his own, should be trusted to solve all the problems. He stated, quote, where we are right now is not where we want to be. The way this should work is that there are extremely wide bounds of what these systems can do that are decided by not Microsoft, not my own company, OpenAI, but by society, governments, something like that. Yeah, we found this uh, really interesting. It's a very share power point of view it is somebody who could go in and say now we're the ones that know the technology we ought to decide everything and he's immediately going this power ought to be shared this power that i'm creating ought to be shared it's like that that is really really cool And within that is an acknowledgement of how powerful this can be yeah this is huge this is not just a new app on your phone yeah lee this made me think of our updated golden rule that we presented in our ai 
segment, mm-hmm. uh, our AI podcast, and that golden rule was uh, do unto other people, animals, plants, and everything else that exists on this planet as we would wish in intellectually superior intelligences to do to unto do for us. us. Yes. Yeah, so we have the fear going on right now about, oh my God, this AI capability, it's, it's more intelligent than us. It's going to be. Yeah. Ah, what do we do? It's more intelligent. Therefore, we will be sublimated to it. And so this really seems to be a reinforcement of that updated golden rule that we were suggesting. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully we move that way. Uh, let's turn our attention to 1984. No, Lee, that's not the Wayback Machine. <laughs> that's a favorite book of ours. Lee being one of the most voracious readers I have ever known in my life. George Orwell's classic, The Type of Lust for Power and leadership hoarding, and unilateral allegiance described in that book, well, it never stops. It ultimately demands submission and utter domination. Now, spoiler alert, if you've not read the book, uh, even to the point of death. Yeah, it's not enough just to have the power, but your nose has to be rubbed in it, and you have to acknowledge that you should be in power, and I love you. Yeah, you must be obsequious to those holding power, right? yeah. So it just reinforces this book uh, that when you bump up against an authoritarian power system, and we've talked a lot about power systems of any kind, bring your own thoughts and ideas. And if they tell you to stop being curious, stop critically thinking, stop asking questions, don't come up with your own ideas, trust us. Or me. Or me. and Or shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if any of these things happen... They are big honking red flags. Red flag. And danger signs that you can, the you know, biggest ones you could ever receive because they're telling you to not be fully alive. Okay, so we were being a little bit playful there, but let's step back from that. If you're in a power system of any kind, in your family, in your organization, where you work, wherever it might be, in your church, whatever. Anywhere. If any individual or group of individuals says, no, you don't need to be curious where your ideas aren't welcome here. Uh, just trust us to do the right thing. Yee. Yeah. Red flags all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, you and I came across a quote from Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. uh, yesterday that uh, was very interesting. And Charlie Chaplin, for those of you that don't know, or in the future, is from the last century, one of the absolute leading comedians, film actors, film directors of that era. Hollywood powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you need power only when you want to do something harmful. Hmm. Otherwise, love is enough to get everything done. Man, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Just in 20 words, it says it all. Yeah. 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 There's another famous quotation that says, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes. And that's always in my mind as well. Whenever you see power becoming consolidated in the hands of one or a few, at least challenge it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, a different topic. And this is from a, uh, I went to a presentation a number of years ago. And an exchange that happened at that presentation has stuck with me ever since. A gentleman named Dave Helling, who is a local reporter here in town for many decades Mm -hmm. on on TV, gave a presentation. And he was talking about critical thinking and questioning ability and skills from a learning perspective, but as a reporter. And he brought up just some different things that he said are kind of critical things to go do. And I was trying to translate what he was saying into some of my verbiage. And so I asked him the question after his presentation was done. 
So curiosity and love of learning, those are really kind of the key things, right? And he said, yes, those two things plus humility. humility. And I've never forgotten that. And it's like the the humility is the engine. Yes. Then for you to jump off from that and go ask questions mm-hmm. and be a lifelong learner and be curious. So in that context, I think humility equates to openness. Yes. Hey, I am humble enough to know I don't know it all. Yeah. Therefore, that's going to facilitate asking yeah. questions and becoming yeah. curious. Yeah. If I if I'm not humble and I think I know, I know everything. It all. Well, there isn't anything for me to learn, right? Right. Because I already know everything. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just fascinating how we, lots of times there's a, a deal that we'll, I think, talk about a little bit later where there's studies that have said that people who are actually the most intelligent tend to underestimate their intelligence and people who are less intelligent tend to overestimate their intelligence. And I think humility fits into that dynamic in some way. Where there is the humility to go, the, and Lee, there's the quote from someone I can't remember who. That's like, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah, or well, le- you know, Albert Einstein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more I know, the less I understand. There you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I figured you would know yeah. that quote came from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, is the is the price of kind of a related question? Is the price of ignorance? or maybe better said, a lack of curiosity, is the price of that getting higher hmm. and the canyon divide between the uncurious and the curious getting wider and deeper because it's easier than ever to feed one's curiosity and to learn. So hmm. as an example, we now have all the capability at our fingertips to go learn. Yes. Where before computers and the internet and all of that stuff, you had to go to a class or to school or buy an encyclopedia, or go to the library. Right. So there was some effort that had to be expelled that was significant to go learn. Mm-hmm. And access in that context was limited for some people. Was limited. Right. Well, now it's it's a hundred x easier, and so you now have people who are curious and who want to continue learning, having access to all this information. Mm-hmm. People who are not inclined to do that still can choose not to. Right. And so what's the implications of the canyon that's happening between growing canyon, between those who are curious and interested and keep learning and those who don't? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it, seem, it seems like the canyon's getting bigger. It seems like something we should be thinking about. It does. Some of the divide that I think we see politically and in other situations, Lee, I would attribute a lot of that divide to this dynamic. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And it links back to a podcast we talked about as young children. I would hope that our education systems would begin to teach curiosity. Mm -hmm. How can you teach curiosity? Isn't it innate? Well, I would argue that you can teach young children how to question things, how to learn. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So this Canyon that it is getting bigger Uh, This may be actually as big a potential problem in the future as anything. So we'll move on to a different thing here. We're constantly figuring out ways to prolong human life Mm -hmm. just in years. Yes. Where's that leading? Yeah, to immortality? Probably not. Yeah. But let's just think about some of the societal, cultural implications for that. If we now have a growing population of people who are 100 years or older, mm-hmm. guess what, folks? 
That's good, right? Because we're still availing ourselves of their wisdom and their lived experiences. What's the bad? They can be a burden on their families financially for medical care. It's a burden on the system, to use a generic term, to, to provide for them, right? Because they're no longer able to provide for themselves in many situations. So it's a, a double-edged sword, right? We grew up in a, in a time where uh, in our childhood, retirement age was viewed as 65, mm -hmm. and that got set up with a lot of the public policies because the expectation was you were going to live to be about 70. Yeah, right. So it, here's, yeah. here's a, a... Enjoy your five years. Yeah, enjoy your five <laughs> years of, of not working, mm -hmm. and we'll give you some benefits for that. That's right. And that's been turned on its ear, so now you can... Yeah, you see society kind of going, okay, well, if people are living to 80. 80s or 90s even, does that mean that benefits have to be extended? Well, who's going to pay for that? Or do people just need to keep working? Right. We have that happening while at the same time we have the potential with things like AI to create a productivity for the species that's unparalleled. Yes. It's never happened. The capabilities of advanced intelligence to create productivity and in some cases make it to where things can be created for humanity mm -hmm. and avoid some of the things that we spend our time on mm -hmm. is there. How do those intersect? Yeah. Or are we going to use one to help solve the other? Right. Or you will know, they take completely separate paths? Separate paths. Don't will, know. Will we ever connect them? Yeah. Will we ever planfully think through how to use this to solve that. Right. We struggle with that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So I want to make one more linkage between longevity, someone who might live to be 100 years old, and learning again. This is not my opinion. This is evidence-based. There's considerable research that tells you people who are constantly learning, expressing their curiosity, expressing their unique creativity, certainly they may have physical health challenges, but they'll maintain their mental health to a right. great long age, yeah. more so than someone who doesn't. Exercise. Says, yeah. yeah. Someone who says, no, I've learned everything I need to learn. Yeah. Mental <laughs> exercise. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it is. Keep, keeps the mind sharp. Okay. So again, kind of on that theme, a little bit of the future and all of that here in the present today, we are having increased thinking and exchanges about Reality, virtual reality, artificial, artificial reality, reality, multiple realities, multiverses uh, that are reflected by that concept. Okay, so what do these different possibilities or options tell us about pictures or ideals? So here's what I'll postulate a little bit about that. When Lee and I are talking about pictures and talking about ideals, we're talking about reality. Okay, we are, this is about what is really happening. Mm -hmm. And so there's all sorts that we, you know, we, we have dreams at night when we sleep. We have daydreaming we do. Mm -hmm. Humanity has always had the capability to kind of leave reality. Yes. And imagine. Yes. So to the degree that that imagining leads to pictures, leads to reinforcement of your ideals that you take back to reality, that's wonderful. Yes. All elements of that with imagination and dreaming, that, that's wonderful. If that imagination and dreaming takes you to a place where you are exiting reality mm -hmm. permanently, permanently. Or, or in any kind of, in any kind of meaningful way or time bound way, that's not a good thing. And that's not what we're talking about. Right. With pictures right. or ideals. Yes. So I think what we're advocating with the creation and development and nurturance of pictures is 
If you want to call that an illusion or an aspiration for the way things may be, we say, yeah, <laughs> that's visualization. That's visioning. Absolutely. That's, that's where we're trying to get us. We think that's a good thing to do. And if that causes us to kind of leave our current understanding of reality for a moment, that's good. That's healthy. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion in the physics world today, and there has been for a number of years, about the concept of multiverses. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, as we've talked about, the science of that is going to keep changing. Sure it will. So there's some things we could say today. This is kind of how that looks. And 10 years from now, much less 30 or 40, you know, it'll be, nah, mm -mm. nah that's, not, that's not quite it. Right. So there's the notion that uh, is in a lot of science fiction and about multiverses and time keeps splitting off. And so we exist in all of these different realities. Mm -hmm. The science may say, well, that's not exactly how that works. And that may or may not be the case. But what is interesting to me is to think about that and to go, oh, what if I met me? Yeah. What what if I could meet the million me's mm -hmm. that happen in the other ones? That would be really interesting to me. I'd love that. Yeah. And I would look for the one that I thought knew the most, had done the best, and I'd kind of go, <laughs> okay, I want to learn from you, and I want to take, take that back, back to my reality yes. and do better. Yeah. You know? Right. And Rather so, than be fearful of a million me's. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 So, so if that's real, if multiverses ends up being real then that absolutely fits with pictures. Mm -hmm. That absolutely fits with ideals, but it has to be something in the science of all of this that is real yes. in my mind. Yeah, there's a, there's a great quote that was from a, a recent show that said, that which is real is irreplaceable. irreplaceable. And I love that. Mm -hmm. It's like the, it, at the point in time that we just exit reality then we have given up something that is really irreplaceable yes. and can't be done. So. Yes. Yep. Okay. So what do we think that uh, you all have done in the future? This is one of those little chats with the future folks to optimize the balance between reality and illusion. And I think what we would say is a lot of what we just talked about, that you all have managed to see all of the good, all of the benefit that can happen from imagining from dreaming, from yes. visioning, yes. and from pictures, but you always redirect that back to reality. And to ideals. And to ideals. Yeah. And turning that into action. So the ideals that I might carry with me in this, quote, real life, I would carry with me into any other multiverses that may exist. Yeah. Yeah, the ideals are constant. Yeah. We, uh, Lee, there's a lot of, uh, of science about conscious and unconscious thinking. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> thinking fast and thinking slow. Yeah, and one of the uh, one of the stats that I think I'm accurate on that I remember is that ninety percent, about ninety percent of our human choices and decisions are actually made by our unconscious mind. Yes, we bring them into our consciousness then to go act, but all the thinking, considering of options, has yes. been done by the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always made me kind of wonder about dreaming. And I took a class on sleep and dreams from the most renowned researcher on that at the time when I was in college and I've, I've been interested in that mm -hmm. ever since. And so one of the things that I've actually, uh, will probably have in a book. So we're documenting right now that I had this idea back then, <laughs> but I'm going to put circle C 2023. I'm, exactly. Exactly. But I'm going to put it in a novel in the future is that dreaming is actually the gateway to the other multiverses. 
Yeah. You know, and so that's the way ultimately we'll find some way in our dream state to access the okay. other multiverses and meet the other me's. Yeah. That's you intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting thought. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure if we've talked about this before, but we've had this notion of related to learning and changing and growth. Do we want to tie a bow on our life and stop or slow our energy down for learning, changing and growth as we enter the likely last stages of life? until you guys all become immortal or do we want to never stop or slow our learning changing and growing and just run out of time yeah so here's something very ghoulish <laughs> please <laughs> but it's something that i've told my children and, 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 and please bear with me i mean this in positive ways i go the last words i will probably speak by the way this can't really happen and i acknowledge <laughs> that would be to the embalmer going hey what's that needle do <laughs> Point being, I'm going to be learning until my last moment. Yeah. And I communicate that, my, that to my children to say, I hope that you will too. Don't ever think that you're done. Don't ever think that there's not more to learn and more to understand. Ghoulish illustration, perhaps. but <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit, a shift of gears again, uh, a little bit about our physicality and our spirituality. We've talked about this before in some podcasts. But we would ask you guys to do a little exercise with us. And Lee, I'm looking around for a mirror here. We don't have one. <laughs> but we'd like, to, we'd like to ask the listeners to actually look in the mirror for a minute or two. And then ask yourself while you are looking in that mirror at yourself, what is your own? What is our own personal value to the world? And what is it that we're each capable of doing in this life and in this world? Hmm. Uh, I think this mirror exercise is a good thing to do every now and then. It's not to make sure that our hair is straight or, you know, confirming that we look okay. Right. It's to, it's to have a deeper look mm -hmm. and to look below that. Mm -hmm. I always like the notion of looking at our arms if uh, Lee and I could hold up our arm, hold up your arm, Lee. There you go. We could hold up our arms. There's all sorts of kind of nonsense that we do where Lee and I in this day and age are both called white. Well, my arm's not white. No. Yours isn't white. Your arm doesn't look like mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. The skin tones are different. different. The there amount of hair is different. Is different. Everything is different about it. They're unique. Uh, there's no white, black, brown, or any shade. It's just interesting what we do with physicality. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's worth looking at. And I think probably the punchline for me that happens out of this exercise is I look in the mirror and ultimately going through all of that, I go, yeah, okay. I accept my physical self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. But that's not a very big deal. The yes. Big, the big deal is the spiritual. Yeah. You know, and what I do with that part of it and that expression of it. So. Yeah, just a little exercise for you there. So we're encouraging you to look into that mirror and notice your physicality first, but then look below the surface into your spiritual layer. So this is just to kind of help you center on your ideals and your unique, and we use that word purposely, your unique individuality, because everyone has a unique contribution to make. And that exercise for me causes me, even though it looks like a physical thing is actually resolving the focus that can happen on our physicality. And it's to yeah. put that to bed for the moment mm -hmm. and to say, well, all the actions to take, all the things to do 
are in the spiritual realm. They're in, they're related to my ideals, my right. soul, what I go do. Right. Uh, they may have physical implications. They may require me to do physical things, but the physical isn't what is actually going on here. Mm-hmm. There's something a lot, lot deeper. Yeah. So physical is just an arrangement of matter. Yeah. Hopefully you have something similarly meaningful for you. Yeah. So as we draw this to a close, uh, we hope that we've entertained you, our present day and future audiences, and that we have successfully modeled the kind of conversations we believe should be regular. They should be comfortable. They should be everyday kinds of chit chats going forward, anytime, any place, among any type of people, as long as those people care deeply about the world's future. And as always, life is the most incredible, wide open, enthralling and fantastic journey imaginable. Our best wishes to each of you on your own life journeys. So what are your pictures, your perspectives, your ideals? What's your influence to go use? Thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.